Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and welcome to another episode of Real Presence Live on Real Presence Radio. Uh, better late than never, right? Exactly. <laughs> we got to get, get all the gremlin, gremlins out of the system. So Yes, yes. Father James Gross, a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, joined as always by my uh, classmate, Father Jason Leffer. Good morning, Padre. Good morning. It's great to be here. Yes, as we're coming to you from our studios in the near Southside Historic District of beautiful downtown Grand Forks, North Dakota, uh, as the Grand City have received a dusting of snow. I guess we have turned the corner from autumn to winter. Well, speaking of turning the corner on the on the drive-in, it was uh, sheer ice, and I felt so bad. There was a number of semis jackknifed in the ditch and so forth. It's it's really, really, really bad conditions out there. So, goodness, I, I think God and the angels that I'm here. So. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes, yes. And thank you for being able to uh, to make it here safely. Uh, we sure appreciate it. Um, if I could call upon you as we uh, begin with an opening prayer, Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We adore you. We glorify you. May we be your great glory. May this broadcast glorify you and send forth the word, the word incarnate, Jesus Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, Lord, and giver of life into our hearts, our minds, our memories, our imaginations, and uh, enlighten us with your, your truth. Uh, lift us up and uh, make us one in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, may we never be separated from you. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Saint Jehoshaphat. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, there was a, a character in, in Genesis, Jehoshaphat, and today is St. Josephat. So not to be confused with jumping Jehoshaphat, exactly. wherever that well, comes from. How, how can you not you know, make that connection? Right? <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Well, we're going to launch right into our uh, interviews that we have today. We have some great conversations that we'll be bringing to you, beginning with... Um, uh, a, a lady who is uh, coming to us from Ignatius Press. Mary Dudro is on the line. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Thank you so much. Hey, good morning, Mary. This is uh, Father Jason Leffer speaking with you. I don't know, do you remember who I am? I do. I, I met you as a little girl. I was going to say, exactly. Time, but I remember you very well, yeah. I, I thought I thought maybe uh, I had faded from your memory. A lot of people say I'm, I'm kind of like a nightmare. You can never forget me once you meet me. So, But no, I, I have just absolute fond memories of um, of your family, especially your, your mom and dad, Glenn and Vivian Dudrow, who uh, work for Ignatius Press and all the incredible work they do. And so it's good to hear. Well, we'll hear soon here about uh, you've grown up, become a young lady. I think you're married and children, and you speak French and you translate books for Ignatius Press, apparently. Can you believe it? <laughs> well, please, could you, could you let our listeners know um, just about your background, you know, who you are, where you come from? I'm very excited to hear. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, my name is Mary Dujo Gordon, and I... I'm a part-time lecturer in comparative literature at San Francisco State University. I'm married, and I have an almost two-year-old daughter. And I have translated now two books for Ignatius Press, 
from French to English. And I'm just waiting to see what the Lord's going to ask me to do next. Well, how about this? Could you, um, the the first step in this that we're going to hear about this morning, is, could you tell us a little bit why French? How did you get into French, and why did why how did you become so so fluent in French? I I remember being attracted to French, um, just the sound of it, and like I would um, just like stand in front of the mirror and like pretend that I spoke French, and then um, I, I um, you know I told my parents that I was interested in that, and we had a neighbor who was fluent in French and who agreed to, to teach me. And so I started studying kind of junior high. And then I, I was homeschooled and my parents said, well, maybe you could do a year of high school in France. And so I, I kept studying with that neighbor. And then I took some more intensive classes at the Alliance Francaise. And then I did my senior year of high school in France. And that really kind of solidified the French in me. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, I continued to study it in college, doing comparative literature. And I've been, yeah, ever since that time in France, I've been reading French and, and writing in French here and there ever since. Well, I'm holding in my hands uh, a book called Salt and Light. And, and somebody named Mary Dudrow translated it from French into English. And I'm assuming that, that you didn't pretend to do this, that it's very real indeed. And, and it is quite a powerful read. Could you introduce our audience uh, to this book, Salt and Light? Yes. Salt and Light is about Elizabeth and Felix Lassure. They were a French married couple at the turn of the century in Paris during La Belle Époque. And Elizabeth was a faithful Catholic, very devout and pious. And her husband was a firm and committed atheist. And she considered it the vocation of her marriage to pray him back into the church, which she did. And after her death, she died young at 48. They were married for 25 years. After her death, Felix found her writings, her diary, some letters um, to friends. She had even kept a journal as a little girl. And so he found her writings and read them and was just blown away to learn that she had offered every suffering, every sacrifice for his sake. And he converted back to the church and became a Dominican priest. Right, and I believe uh, his, the year of ordination was 1923, um, which would have been just shortly after um, Elizabeth's death. Now, she um, died, I think, uh, probably in her late 40s, around the age that, uh, you know, near the age that both Father Leffer and I are. Can you tell us about um, uh, what it was that caused uh, that, uh, that untimely death for her? Yes, she struggled with illness all her life. She had liver disease, chronic liver disease, and then breast cancer. And then as a complication from breast cancer, she died of lymphangitis. And her, her, she was very much aware that she was going to die relatively young, and certainly before Felix. And she was very prepared. And she tried to prepare Felix. She said, by the way... I'm going to die, and you're going to become a priest. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, but the the their story really is a story of love, isn't it? I mean, how and love can even conquer unbelief. How how was it that they they met and fell in love, and what's that kind of romantic part of their story? Yeah, they had a very lovely sort of courtship. They they both came from bourgeois, lawyer, families, well-educated, very cultured, and they had a mutual friend who introduced them. And, you know, they attended some balls together and, and really sort of fell in love talking about the things they were interested in. One of the things that they both really loved was music, specifically Wagner's music, which was kind of um, really, really popular at the time in France. And also books. They, they both just loved culture and, and learning, and they really had a very deep intellectual connection. Very good. So you could, you could say they were best friends. They really were. Yeah, they really, really were best friends, companions. And how did, at, at what point does uh, she discover that he is an atheist? Because, I mean, I, th- I think he was Christian or Catholic, but does she know this in their courtship, or does she discover it after they're married? No, she is aware of it. He uh, sort of became an atheist as kind of a college student. You know, he, he left home and went to Paris and was a medical student, and it was just it was just such a time of trying to raise science up as, you know, the next new thing and this sort of ideal of progress and humanity kind of moving past silly silly old religion and you know superstition and things like that and that was really how he kind of characterized religion as you know a comfort for fools and so she did know that about him and she herself she was not as strong in her faith when they first got married and she also had really a profound kind of I guess ramping up of her faith, they they went to Rome and she was praying in St. Peter's. She'd gone to confession, she'd gone to mass, she was praying in St. Peter's and she just felt like smoked by God's love. She just felt this overpowering uh, wave of God's love. And, and it, it says in the book, you know, at that moment, she just gave herself over to him completely and just, and just said, I'm giving you my life, Lord. Use me as you will. So she kind of had a journey as well of spiritual mm-hmm. growth. Well, Mary, we're going to have to uh, step aside for just a moment here to uh, take a break, but uh, we'll pick up the story from there about this wonderful uh, witness of Elizabeth and Felix Lesur. We're speaking with uh, Mary Dudrow from Ignatius Press, and we'll continue the conversation right after this. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. 
SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live as Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross are joining you from uh, the Grand Cities. Uh, as uh, priests of the Diocese of Fargo, we are visiting with Mary Dudrow Gordon about uh, an important work uh, that uh, has been published by Ignatius Press, Salt and Light, the Spiritual Journal of Elizabeth and Felix Lesseur. And uh, I must admit, I think one of the first places I became familiar with Elizabeth was the um, uh, small segments that uh, the um, Daily Devotional Magnificat would occasionally publish as reflections for daily masses from her writings. And um, there is a a cause of canonization that is underway. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, the momentum of how that got started? Elizabeth died. She would read her diary and and other journals that she had kept. And a few years after she died, he he had you know read excerpts to friends and 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 different um, clergy even. And everybody was just struck by this intense spiritual life and just this woman's beautiful example of prayer and and sacrifice for the salvation of souls. And so he. He had so much encouragement, like, you need to publish her, her diary. And he was able to, three years after she died, in 1917, he published her diary. And he had a hard time getting a, a book contract. Um, but it, it, like, blew up. I mean, it, it went viral. And it ended up being, you know, translated into many different languages. And it really became, like, an international bestseller and went through several editions, even during Felix's lifetime. And so he, as he was going through her writings and publishing things, and as she was kind of gaining traction, he was invited to do lectures and, and give talks and conferences all over Europe. And um, so in 1936, he himself opened the cause for her canonization. And then after his death... Um, I think it kind of halted a little bit, and there, it's still in the informative process. And there's still, you know, I think it's changed hands a few times who is managing the cause. But hopefully, I know that there is a group that I believe has kind of petitioned to take over the cause, and hopefully, it can, you know, kind of get back on track because 
I think she's definitely a wonderful saint for our time. Yep, we can certainly pray for um, a miracle that could be attested to her, uh, you know, to intercession to her and and to uh, Father Felix for that matter, too. So how did, um, can you tell us a little bit about Felix's own conversion and leading to his call to the priesthood? Yeah, after Elizabeth died, he, as I said, read her, her diary, which her sister actually gave him, but I think you need to read this. And he, he started, re- I mean, he read it every day. Like, he kept reading it and rereading it, and he carried it with him everywhere. And even, you know, he, of course, was so grieved to lose her, but he really felt her presence strongly about him. And then the war broke out. She died in, in 1914, and so during the war, he... He was a very important director of a life insurance company, and he had to get these funds away from Paris because they were worried about invasion and take them down to Bordeaux for safekeeping. And this, this journey, it was just like a catastrophe. Tons of people were leaving Paris. He had a hard time, you know, getting transportation. And he really felt like Elizabeth was helping him, you know, reach this goal, complete this mission. And then he felt that she was telling him, look, I didn't do this for nothing. You need to go to Lourdes on your way back. And, and so he did. And at Lourdes, which was the second time he was there, the, the first time he went with her and was kind of, you know, very suspicious about all of the devotion and, and the place. And the second time he went, he just, like, felt totally bowled over by God's love, by Elizabeth's love. And that that experience really kind of yeah. I'm also heart. thinking of the uh, kind of the witness of the church in France at this time, that uh, uh, historic nickname of the eldest daughter of the church. But think about the, uh, the, the blossoming pilgrimages, not only to Lourdes from uh, our Blessed Mother's appearance to St. Bernadette Subaru, but also um, uh, ours, uh, near Lyon, with uh, the, the, uh, St. John Vianney, the Curie of ours, and, and all of the, uh, the powerful spiritual experiences in the church in this in this general time too it's a, it's really really amazing that um elizabeth and felix really are are a part of that uh, a part of that treasury um are there any other we just have a couple of minutes left with you are there any other particular stories just a brief anecdote that uh, really is uh, are among your favorites when you look at uh the lives of uh, felix and elizabeth i would love to read you a quote if i may please um it's it's Elizabeth wrote, she knew she was going to die, and she truly believed that Felix was going to have a conversion and then become a priest. And she left for him what she called a spiritual testament, a letter that she had sealed in a drawer. And she tells him to love souls, pray, suffer, and work for them. They deserve all our sorrows, all our efforts, all our sacrifices. Beautiful. And that's very appropriate right now during the time of all souls, and especially the church has extended it for the whole month of November. Mm-hmm. Uh, during, I mean, yes, indeed. Can't possibly think of the souls enough. Yeah. 
Well, very good. Mary, thank you so much for taking this time to visit with us today. Uh, Mary Dudrow and uh, the book uh, that she's uh, responsible for, at least in the English translation, is entitled Salt and Light, The Spiritual Journal of Elizabeth and Felix Lesur, published by Ignatius Press. Uh, Blessings to you and your continued work and your family, Mary. Thank you so much for having me. It is our pleasure, and uh, it's always fun to reunite Father Leffer with someone from uh, his from from his recent past, <laughs> or maybe not so recent in this case, right? <laughs> well, coming up next after the break, how can asking the right questions evangelize? One of the great uh, Catholic apologists in the United States, Trent Horn, will be on the air with us after the break. So please stay tuned. More real presence live to come. <laughs> 